You are listening to Prickly and Blooming, brought to you by LaJoy Society. And now, your hostess, Jesse Browning. All right, all right, all right. Hi. Hi. Hello. It's always so interesting to um, hear what I come up with. It's mostly like, hi. How do you start this? Just like, hey, here we are. You've pressed play, and now you're hearing my voice in your in your headphones. How's it going? I'm all right. I'm, you know, Sunday night in my pajamas. Got some things to do. This is one of them. What are you doing? Same thing, like doing some stuff on a Sunday night, like folding laundry. Yeah, I'm. after this, I'm going to do groceries, online grocery order. And then after that, I got some school paperwork to do. Um, and I, I worked this morning and, you know, I've had, I've had a long day and just, you know, I recorded an episode and just, I don't know, just the usual, just the usual busy entrepreneur sidecar project. <laughs> my podcast is my sidecar project. Just one of those hustle kind of days, one of those hustle kind of days. So I got my Sunday hustle on and, you know, it's probably not Sunday that you're listening to this, but it's Sunday that I'm recording this right now. And... We're going to start, this is the first episode of season three where we're doing like an off, you know, off, I don't like to call it off topic. What's the off, off messaging, off, I don't know, lighthearted. Let's go to that. Not defining what it's not like. Let's talk about what it is. Lighthearted. So we're doing a lighthearted episode this week. You know, we're just kind of like take the mood down a little bit because it's, it can get pretty intense and we're dealing with hard amazing topics that I'm super proud of people showing up for and sharing these stories but then sometimes our hearts need a little break like our hearts need a little like you know like when you're tasting you know um wine or co- like you you gotta cleanse the palate you know a, a palate cleanser so we're gonna cleanse our palate this season with all right I'm bringing you my friends like IRL in real life, you're going to hear from my friends. We're going to talk about funny, fun things. I've got a couple of things planned, but the first episode, this right now, what you're going to hear is a dear friend of mine. Her name is Mercer. Mercer and I have been friends for 13 years and we tell the story of how we met and became friends um, at the beginning of the episode. So I won't spoil that. She is just one of those people. She has a story for everything. Like we were recording and I joked, I I told the story about how we had a joke with our friend group that I would just pick a word, just anything, just like scallops. And she'd be like, oh, I have a story. Like, and tell your story, tell a scallop story. One, I think it's just having an amazing memory, right? Like, I just can't remember shit like that. Two, she's lived a life and she has the stories and she's a great storyteller. So uh, first, like, obvious of like, oh, I need to have Mercer on to tell what I call Mercer stories. And when I thought of, like, having my friends on and talking with my friends for these lighthearted episodes. So you're going to meet Mercer and you're going to love her and you're going to wish that uh, you were in some of her stories. I, I think I'm in some of her stories, um, but, like, later ones you know we met uh we were uh in our third well yeah i was like late 20s i was probably 28 she was in her 30s 
So she had lots of stories from before she knew me, but I just, I really hope you enjoy her, her, (laughs) she talks a lot about her family and they're from far West Texas and they're amazing. And her parents, I'm so grateful that I have met them and knew them. And I think you're going to enjoy this. I think you're going to laugh and there's some, uh, (laughs) I just, I just adore her. And if she doesn't write this book of her stories, I will be so pissed. You know, you're going to hear that she's a writer and she's working on her first novel. And for a decade now, I've been like, write your Mercer stories down, please write your Mercer stories down. And so my, it's interesting and, um, we talk about it a little bit that I've been the person that's prompted her for stories for a long time and she's the storyteller. And I just thought how poignant it is now that like she's writing a novel, which is telling stories. Right. And I'm hosting a podcast, which is holding space for other people's stories. That's what fills my cup. That's what fills my heart. That's what fills my, you know, purpose is to hear and tell and hold space for these stories. And even if it's Mercer stories, I'm here to hold space for Mercer stories. So without further ado, is that what we'd say right now? Yeah, without further ado, I'm really, I don't have my um, proper greetings worked out for this show yet. It's been a year. Oh, so this would be a year. When this is airing right now, we are on, let's see, let me get the date. Hold on one second. This is January 27th that this episode is coming out and this show aired on January 29th. The premiere of Berkeley Moving was January 29th, 2020. We would call this a year. Oh, I snuck that in at the end. I snuck it in at the end. I, I realized as I was talking, <laughs> you, you had me, uh, you were, you were with me when I made that realization. I'm really, I'm really uh, busy right now <laughs> in, in my like real life. I'm saying that in quotes, real life. I hate saying that. Um, in my like entrepreneur business life, we just opened a business about 10 days ago. So I I wish I had thought of that earlier before I started recording and been like, yay, it's been a year. Yay. Well, there we go. We just did it right now on the fly, on the fly. That's how, that's how I can do things. I'm right here, fast, on the fly. Look at the calendar. Wow, look at that. It's been a year. Go me. <laughs> and I'm so grateful y'all have been here with me. The show is doing tremendously. I'm, I'm, it's growing and, um, we were around the charts in Canada this month, Paraguay, you know, you're listening out in Paraguay. Hey, <laughs> you know, last year we ended, we ended the year, um, on the, uh, the United States Apple podcast charts. And, you know, of course we hit the ca- Canadian charts because of Sherry from, um, she's a Canadian. So her people were listening Hi, her people. Okay, look now I'm now I'm now it's getting long here. I've already said without further ado, and now I went on another what twenty minutes. Just kidding, <laughs> another two minutes. Without further ado, let me talk two more minutes. I can talk. Jess Norman has said that she's like you're a thousand words like me. I said, yep. I know exactly what you mean. We use a thousand words when probably twenty would suffice. That's what that's what brings me joy. <laughs> that's where I am. I can say it in a thousand words. <laughs> when 20 would suffice. <laughs> so without further ado, <laughs> I want you to meet Mercer. 
Hi, I'm here with Mercer. Hey, Mercer. Hey, Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited. And we have to start with like the most obvious. So this is my friend. This is the off, like the off, well, not topic. It's like, like the way off. What's the off vibe? I don't know. It's a different. This is the, this is the last episode of the month where we have some fun. <laughs> And <laughs> and my friend Mercer has what we call Mercer stories, and so we're going to hear some Mercer stories. But for for a minute, I want to talk about how we know each other because I think it's an interesting fucking story, and it actually is quite appropriate to Prickly and Blooming. Mercer, was it two thousand seven? Yeah, we were both pregnant. Yes, we were both pregnant. Our children are now thirteen, and uh, we lived in the same small town. And then you you were pregnant and you weren't there. And then after you had uh, Campbell, you yeah. came back, and we lived in the same town. You were, he was about six yeah. months old, I I would say. And then um, for about six months, we knew each other. And we lived in the same town, and about our children were about a year old. And Mercer and I were emailing about I think advertising. Yeah, because I had something either the gallery guide or the travel guide i was producing but yeah some publication i was working on at the time right and uh, i mentioned something about needing to put my kid to bed because mine was a really tough kid to put to bed and you said oh gosh like campbell just sleeps like a dream and i was like what (laughs) huh what do you mean? <laughs> like we had to walk at a certain cadence and pace and had to be dating on the door had to be open. It was like all that first kid bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> the, the temperature had to be right. The lights had to be dim, you know, and only like, it was fucking stupid. And you were like, I read this book and I was like, Oh my God. And it was called the pickup put down method. And that's what finally got our, our kid to sleep. And I remember saying like, you, you gave me the book, you brought me over the book and you said like, Oh, I'm so, do you remember what you, you said something about like, I can't believe you're asking me for advice or something because you had this idea that you you were a mom that nobody would look to for advice. Yeah, well, I had been through some hard times and I was a single mom and, you know, the world's hard on single moms, even though we try to pretend like we're super progressed mm-hmm. and stuff. But I was a single mom who was still trying to have a life and that wasn't mm-hmm. well taken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, oh, God and- forbid... I saw her at the bar twice last week or five times. I don't know. <laughs> Where's, the, Where's baby? the baby? Oh my God. That was my favorite question. Where's the baby? Oh shit. The baby, you know, as though I couldn't, you know, like fathom how to put my child with, you know, in proper care. Um, but yeah, where's the baby? God, I hate that question. <laughs> yeah. It's still, I, I still get it. Who has the kids? Sometimes I do think. And now our, now gray is old <laughs> enough to- so that is how like we we started and I remember I remember like having like this really great email exchange with you where I was like yeah like I think I'd said like I've judged you no, and I'll like you. I'm sorry and we're starting over yeah no you actually I wish oh. <laughs> I saw the email I, I might lie if I went and dug enough for it but you said something along the ways of um yeah. you know I I think I think I might have um made that you know flaw of of judging somebody before I really knew her. And it was, I would like it if we could start over again because you seem like the kind of person who could use a friend and I would like to be that friend. And you basically just told me you wanted to be my friend. It was like kids on a playground. 
Will you right. be my friend? Like, you know, yeah. like, Sarah pulled your yeah. hair. Will you be my friend? And um, I don't right. think we've not not been friends <laughs> Right now it's 13 years later. And I think I was like, I, I think I might've said you, it seems like you could use a friend, but I might've said I, I could use a friend too. Like I that felt that too. too. Yeah. Whereas like, I yeah. think you were realizing that, well, I think maybe when I said something along the lines of, I felt judged as a mother and you're like, Oh my God, me too. Right. right. Whereas, and, right, know, right. cause we all do like that. I'm sure you talked talk about that a lot right. of that stupid mom guilt and then mom's expectations mm-hmm. and all of that nonsense. So yeah. And, uh, it was what my my grandmother or my grandfather who were both hokey. They had a saying for everything, but she would have said, my papa used to say things like, well, she's just about your caliber, meaning like the right bullet for your gun, <laughs> right? And then, um, <laughs> oh. and then. Uh, There's the yeah. first one. That's going to be the first <laughs> yeah, one in this episode. And then uh, Granny would have said something about, you know, just fast friends. So they were fast friends. They're fast friends. You know, like when, once I checked the box, yes. We became fast. <laughs> Will you be my friend? Yes or no? Yes. And I said yes. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, 13 yep, years later, much. and we've completely <laughs> raised our children together. And in fact, today I was going through oh, our children. I, I just had the one. You're the crazy person who just kept going. Um, <laughs> um, but I sent a picture today in my phone, and it was of um, the two middle girls. And uh, my comments, I had put it on Facebook, and my comment said, um, I get to know these girls forever. And I mean, mm-hmm. I thought about that. I was like, God, I, and they were itty bitty. And I was like, oh, I even knew yeah. then that they were never, that I was never going to not be part of their lives. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, dare I say they've named you. They named Sir, Sir. Sir. I got a name. Well, I'm everybody's yeah. favorite aunt, right? I'm the crazy aunt. I'm crazy aunt. So like, you know, we all have the crazy aunt growing up. The one who gets drunk and has uh-huh. dance parties. And that's me. So, and I'm yep. not for my actual nieces and nephews, and I'm not for all my little surrogate ones, too. So, you know, I, I, I really revel in the role of crazy aunts. And you know what crazy aunts are good at? Telling stories that are inappropriate. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yep. I was like, oh, there's lots of things. <laughs> and that's what, oh, man, I am so, you guys, this is going to be so good. Because they're, in our friend group, you know, um, we don't live near each other anymore. Uh, Mercer's moved. I've moved. There, There's four of us right now that, you know, keep up that we're all moms and, uh, you know, in a time and a place together in, in our mom careers. And now our children are older. And oftentimes in this text message group, and Mercer will be like, oh, lily pads. That's funny because, and she just like, boom. <laughs> there was even a joke for a while where I would prompt you with something like that. I'd say, okay, tell me a story about lily pads. And sometimes it'd take you a second. And you'd be like, um, okay, yeah, I, I got one. Like, hot air right balloons. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? <laughs> See, everyone? See? <laughs> Fine, do it. Lily well, pad story, go. It is, but when I was really little and about six years old living in Alpine, Texas, you know, this is back when kids like wandered the neighborhoods and stuff. That was perfectly normal, right? And there was this gorgeous old ha- yeah, house yeah. that was near where the hospital used to be, the original hospital there in Alpine. And it was this gorgeous house. And it had a, in my mind, because my favorite book was The Secret Garden, it had a secret garden. Okay. And I used to break into this old lady's backyard and play in it and it had <laughs> and you, you gotta imagine this is the middle of the freaking desert right like nobody has yards there right uh-huh. and it was lush and gorgeous and it had fountains and it had a pond with fish 
growing up in the middle of the desert, it was the most magical place in the whole wide world. And then she caught me one day and told me never to come back. But that was a bad day. I was more afraid of getting in trouble with my mom. Like, I ran home and I was like, oh, I hope she didn't call my mom. Because, you know, everybody knew everybody. But she was too old to figure out who it was, I guess. But I never went back to my secret garden. Yeah, I have a really sad story. What's next? See, see. <laughs> so this was a game that like we would play for a minute where you know we'd we'd pull something out of the sky and be like what what Mercer story do we have so it was obvious that when I was thinking about this season of like okay what fun episodes we're gonna do and I was like oh we need some Mercer stories <laughs> so I asked Mercer can you share some Mercer stories and, and what was um, my answer? she said well what, what, what was my answer I was like well what, I gotta figure uh, out what stories I can tell that will not destroy like, my career yeah, what's as appropriate. a children's writer yeah <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about that. Do you want to talk about being a writer now? Oh, or yeah. at the I actually was thinking about this when you asked me to do it because I was thinking about why why I tell stories and how that led to me being a writer. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking cuz I a few years ago I started referring to myself and in fact even on like my my writing website I re- I refer to myself as a storyteller, not as a writer, mm-hmm. um, because I like to tell stories, I like the oral tradition as much as I like writing them down. And, and actually, if my the slowness of me getting out a draft is any indication, I'm, I'm actually a lot better at saying them than I ever get down. So mm-hmm. um, my grandmother, my mom's mom, was this incredible storyteller. And we, you know, she was one of those, she was, she was so good at telling stories that she could, she was more interesting than the television to her grandchildren. Like, we actually wanted to hear mm-hmm. her crazy stories. And so... And tell us, tell everyone. Well, her, her name, name was Katura, but she hated uh-huh. that name. I cannot imagine why. And um, she, she actually hated it because it was her mother's name, and she didn't like her mom. It's, I mean, it's an all right name, Katura. I, I had it on my list just yeah. in case. But she didn't like it. She was a little bitty thing growing up in Marfa, Texas, and so her nickname was Chiquita. And when she started school, first grade, before kindergarten, they asked her what her name is. And she said, Chita, and she didn't know how to spell it. And and her mom wouldn't teach her Mm -hmm. how to spell it because her mom was very much a socialite and did not want her daughter called Chita. And so she spelled it C-H-E-T-A. Phonetically, it was as close as she could get. And that's what she was known for her entire life. Like, nobody even knows her name was Sakura. So Chita, and you have to say it, you have to say it with a hard T, Chita. I know someone else who doesn't go I know someone else who doesn't go by their first yeah. name. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah, Mercer's first name is but actually Kalei. That was my mom Kale. made that choice. So, yeah. um, uh, which yeah. I just never do to your children. If you, if you still have a, cho- a chance to make this decision, just call them their name. Do not make Bye. them raise their hand the first day of school and say, I go by so anyways, Chita was this, like, crazy storyteller, and I asked my mm-hmm. cousins, I was like, remind me, like, what's your favorite, we called her Granny, Chita Granny story, and mm-hmm. um, there, there was a great one that I, she used to tell all the time about being um, a little girl growing up in Marfa, she was a, her grand, her father, my great-grandfather owned a ranch, the coal mine ranch, and she wanted to be on the ranch all the time, that's where she wanted to be, but her mother made her stay in town and go to school and mm-hmm. there was an annual horse race where all the ranchers would come in and bring their best horse 
off the ranch, and, and they would have a horse race in the middle of town, and it was to show off who had the best Amazing. horse talk, right? And and they, you know, they would people from around the area would jockey, and and my grandmother was such a good horsewoman that this friend of her dad said, "Hey, will you, you know, can you ride?" my horse, whatever horse, and everybody knew this horse was the best horse in Presidio County. And uh, her dad said, Mm-mm, absolutely not. And Granny went, you know, because Granny had asked her dad, and he said no, and she just went straight into her bedroom and put on and dressed up like a boy and went and rode the horse anyways because that's, that's what we do in our family, We're really good with authority. And she ended up winning the horse race, and when she jumped off the horse at the end and she threw her hat up in the air, as one does when they've just won a horse race, Uh her dad realized it was her, and he spanked her. She was probably about 11, 12 years old. He spanked her in the middle of downtown in front of everybody, and it was humiliating. And the the story goes that that night, this would have been around 1928, 27, that night, mm-hmm, my, my, mm-hmm. my great-grandfather, whose name was Bull, by the way, Bull, Chita's dad is Bull, um, Bull was in the speakeasy in downtown Marfa bragging to everybody about his daughter being the best horse woman in all of, all the three counties. Of course. Anyways, she always had stories. Her favorite stories, and this is a lot of mine, if you find humor, but I try to find humor not at the expense of others, you know, but sometimes it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Her stories were generally about how... Um, City folk were dumb, you know. They're not very smart. Yeah, yeah. So words, even though her husband was a Berkeley educated man who grew up in Los Angeles, but uh, you know, they, they, wow. city folk, mm-hmm. they're just not very smart, right? And so she, you know, she loved stories like she was she was a ranch real estate agent. She loved stories like, uh, oh, I was showing this woman from Connecticut. You know, she and her husband. I was showing them a ranch the other day, and there was a bunch of white cattle on the side of the hill, and she said, well, you look at all those beehives, you know, and, like, you know, Granny just loved it <laughs> when people couldn't tell the difference between a beehive and a bull. And then uh, another time she had hunters out on the ranch because she would lease it out, and, and apparently there was some hunters out there that showed up in this. This would have been in the 90s, and they showed up in this big pickup truck that had been, like, painted to look like camouflage. Right? And, I mean, it was just okay. ridiculous. Uh-huh. It was like uh-huh. this big, very central Texas, like, testosterone mobile, and probably cost, you know, more right. than a house. And they were there for, like, a week and or a weekend, and they didn't shoot a single deer. And they were complaining to Granny. And Granny says, well, my deer are used to seeing trucks driving up and down the road. They're not used to seeing a two-ton bush. <laughs> <laughs> you believe my Mercer stories, um, which is fantastic yeah. because, uh, I, you know, other people that don't know me as well, especially since I moved to Detroit a couple of years ago, I'm like, these people don't know me, you know, from, you know, Paul Bunyan, right. and <laughs> they might think I'm just a crazy person who makes up all this stuff, And but y'all know my family and, you know, my background, and I've had enough witnesses mm-hmm. around at this mm-hmm. point, so, like, you're, you're mm-hmm. and also some of my stories are so, like, you, the one you told me to bring up, 
the one that you yeah. said. Yeah. Like, who would make that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, if you're going to make up who? that you had a fling with a celebrity. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so here's the story. Jesse knows it. That's why she's giggling. Yeah, here we go. This is the yes. This is the one that I uh, definitely right away requested. Uh, this was one because I want to say this is one of the first. It's usually one of I the heard. great ones because one I do of, believe yeah. that it establishes some level of credibility for the aforementioned reason. Who would make this up? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was 18 years old and I was a freshman at the University of Texas in Austin. I was very much a nightlife girl. I love to go out. I, why I failed out of my first semester. Um, I uh, And this was like late late 90s 94. in Austin, right? Not even late Okay, yet. mid, yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I am out one night. Um, I was at a bar. I can actually tell you the name of it. It was called, some people out there in Austin land, if you were around in the 90s, you might remember uh-huh. Colorado <laughs> Club. It was on 7th, I believe. And um, so we're at Colorado Club, and I met a celebrity who goes, at, at the time, best known for starring in feature films such as, award-winning feature films such as yes. Police yes. Academy and Three Men <laughs> and a Baby. And a Baby? Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg. Which... Yeah, was very timely. Like, Three Men and a Baby was probably... Probably late 80s or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Like, within a decade. He was in Austin (laughs) filming the Disney, like, little soccer movie, the Green, Mean Green, or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so I meet him, and and we just had the best time. We're drinking together. He was a lot of fun. And he's like, you know, can I can I give you my phone number? And I, I did not, this is pre-cell phones. I didn't have a cell phone yet. Yeah. Sort of oh, yeah. Like October yeah. of 94. I did not have a cell phone. And so he, he gives me the, he says, I'm staying at the Omni hotel, which this is before Austin was cool. So that was like the nicest hotel in Austin. And it was mm-hmm. kind of scary. And so mm-hmm. I, um, and he says, and I'm, I'm there under the name of whatever. And he gave me his fake name. And he was like, that's who you want to ask for. And I remember specifically saying something like, um, all right, well, I'll say my name is Cleo. And he's like, no, you, you don't have to use a fake name. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, that's how this works. Okay. All right, I got it. You know, I'm yeah. 18, okay. right? I'm just fresh out of high school. And he was so dark. He was so sweet. And so I call, and, and to my, you know, a couple days later, I call, and to my surprise, he answers. And I was at my friend's apartment. I lived in a dormitory, but I was over at my friend's apartment. And he's like, what are you doing? And I said, oh, we're just, you know, hanging out in the apartment, doing nothing, honestly. And he's like, well, can I come over? Okay, <laughs> I guess you can come right. over. Sure. And so he comes, he comes over. And again, we're eighteen. Like I would go out, and but we did not have like you know a, lic- a liquor, a bar, a stocked bar there or anything. He comes in, and I have no idea what he right. thinks he's going to do. And he just comes in, and he's ca- dressed very casually, and and he's like, "Hey, um, he's there for a little bit. He's hanging out with my friends, and he says, uh." You know, do you want to smoke some weed? I love that we can talk about this now because it was so illegal in 94, and now it's like, 
I guess not mm-hmm. in Texas, sorry. Um, but, um, and, and, yeah, and Someday. so two of my friends were like, yes, and the other two are like, I've got homework, and they laughed and went to their room. So we ended up sitting in the living room and getting really drunk with, I mean, really stoned with uh, Steve Gutenberg, and then he uh, and then he taught me how to do yoga. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and we did a couple of times after that. He took me to dinner, and he was really, really sweet and total gentleman. But, yeah, he was, like, twice my age. He was adorable. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. He was twice your age. I love uh, my favorite part is that he like comes over to like 18, like, can I come over? Like, like, like a, a pregnant with four like, 18 year olds, five 18 year olds. He's like, can I come hang out with you guys? And I'm like, really? Hollywood celebrity guys, stoned in Lotus. Guys from Police Academy is like in straight up like Nirvana in the middle of the living room. And um, like, thanks, Martha. Thanks for why couldn't you find a real celebrity? No, anyway, uh, I I know this podcast is blowing up. So Steve, if you're out there, thank you for being such a lovely gentleman. Yes, and with eighteen year old me. Yes. I, I, there was yes, he was yes. actually very everyone sweet. was like, oh, there's nothing. Yeah, he was not a creepy old man by any means. I mean, he got his high, but that's just cool. So. <laughs> right, that was that's something cool Aunt Mercy would do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was the story you asked, and I did a thing earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the story? We've talked about this a lot about when you're telling a story that um, mm-hmm. you talk about the Bambi effect, right? The fact that when the little kid mm-hmm. is going on an adventure, it always has to be like some sort of tragedy where they're all left alone, their parents are dead, mm-hmm. and they have to go on this mm-hmm. whatever. And, and the, is that what it's is that what it's called the Bambi effect? Because do you know my children talk about it? Because I've talked about it so much. I don't know if it's, it's called the Bambi effect. called the Bambi effect, but to me, that was the first movie okay. I saw where I was like, "Oh no, what uh-huh. is Bambi going to do now?" So, you know, and then Bambi. Yeah. You know, meets Thumper. Oh, Flower, not Thumper. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Flower. My kid's 13. I'm out of practice on these movies. And Yeah, me too. I didn't catch it at all. And either. so, yeah, um, but that idea that, like, uh, that, like, the parents are always dead, y'all. That's yeah. what we're talking like, uh, Frozen, yeah. uh, the good dinosaur of the ones of lately, you know, and, and it just goes on and on right. and on. Uh, what's a big, big hero six? The parents aren't there. The brother dies. We just, if you start going through it, I I can come up with ones that the parents aren't dead, actually. And that's like, like you the always Incredibles. Always bring up the Incredibles, which is um, a good one. Yep. I do. Yep. But anyway, the, I don't want to go into a big long because I right. think you have more. But the Bambi effect, book, yeah, yeah. yeah, how the parents are always. Well, because then that's the deal is that stories about ordinary things aren't—they're not really stories. They're just talking about or, an ordinary day mm-hmm. in somebody's life, and so the more mm-hmm. often you do things that are uh, that, that involve a lack of good sense, <laughs> the more often you come up with good stories, and it's the reason. My grandmother yeah. had good stories, and my mom had good stories, and I have good stories. This is because we're constantly putting ourselves in situations, <laughs> you know. And even like eighteen-year-old me, like I think about it now because I wasn't really interested in Steve Gutenberg. I'm not gonna lie, you know. I was eighteen. 
I, I had a very standard type of young, good-looking guy that I was into. But I, in my mind, I was like, like I'm not going to have Steve Gutenberg over, like because that's a great story. Right. I got to see where this goes, right? And uh, and mm-hmm. that's so much of what my mom did and my grandmother did, and. Yeah, really, it just comes down to having good stories comes down to having a poor lack of boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) And a sense of adventure. adventure, uh, And the willingness to collect the stories, which is, you know, why when you said, will you tell stories, I was like, oh, God, I have to to think of ones that are, uh, you know, G-rated enough. You know, and that even comes down. So I, I have a lot of stories about my parents, and because both of my parents have passed, I, I, yes. I'm the keeper of those stories now. Yes, and which is um, a, a really big uh, responsibility because both of them were incredibly mm-hmm. outlandish people who had big adventures in their lives. My dad was. I had. I I would say I had the pleasure of knowing you, both of Mercer's parents in yeah for about uh, ten years yeah, I, yeah. I think I'd say and your dad you know we, li- we all lived in the same town and and it was wonderful and I I feel like that's another part of like you know how you like the new friends you're making it's just this a weird different like oh they never knew my mom mm-hmm. you know and I, I they, there's just such a deeper knowing of you when you know people's parents I feel like so I'm just oh, super I'm grateful. glad I got to know them too I think about that all the time when I meet people now and I'm like oh they're gonna never know mm-hmm. how hilarious my dad yeah. was what an absolute character he was and then um and then just yes. how brilliant my mother was and also a character yep. um and my dad the thing the yep. great thing about him was he was not just a character, but he was a straight up outlaw. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, one hundred percent. Yes, him are he so was. flipping unbelievable because nobody, nobody has ever. He's like something from a Cormac McCarthy novel, right? You know, and like people don't yep. know that mm-hmm. he, he mm-hmm. these people exist in real life. I had a conversation with one of my mom and dad's best friends uh, right before Christmas, and it was so funny to like go over these stories with him, with him and have him remember them because um, so many of the people, mm-hmm. because they were outlaws, so many of these people are dead. I mean, you yeah. live fast and hard, right? Um, so, um, yep. so I was trying to think of some of the my favorite stories. But so my dad did all sorts of things that I now think of as being. Uh, that I would never condone, but in my, in, this was the 70s, and, and I was a baby, so you can't blame me for it, and he's married, so he cannot be convicted, um, but, you know, he had things, fighting roosters, he did, you yep. know, cop fights on the Rio Grande, in, like, yep. sandbars in the Rio Grande, yep. you know, and, like, there's a story about me, I was probably about two and a half, and my baby brother was, like, little bitty, and my mom and dad have us at a cockfight in the middle of the Rio Grande, and the border patrol showed up, and somebody in the crowd shot at the helicopter. So then the helicopter starts shooting wow. back. Oh, God. of course! Got like her babies, and she's rushing us out of the like through a canyon in the Rio Grande under gunfire, like getting us out of a cockfight and like you know you wonder i grew up to be the sort of person who's like um well i don't know i'll have to get some of my other stories before i can 
totally justified. The Supreme right. Court doesn't I, I even like it. That's, that's is, the tip of the right. I spray it. Right. That's yeah, a, where I learned to be. Is that the only time you've been shot at? Uh, you, oh, God. Um, I don't know that I've ever been shot at before. I mean, again. Um, Just that once as a baby? My cousin yeah. shot me in the forehead with a BB gun one time. Um, and okay. so we're going to mm-hmm. definitely count that. Um, I'm still pretty mad about it. Quattro, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, let's hear it. I mean, he just shot me in the head. Yeah. It, was, it was unprovoked, you know. Um, it, it was just right. being kids. But my brother, the BB gun, they cause all yeah. sorts of trouble. I'm going to tell you, we had a beautiful You'll fish tank. We had a beautiful fish tank when I was a kid. And my brother got a new BB gun. And what did he do? He decided to do target practice on the goddamn fishing tank in the middle of the living room. So I come home and all the water's drained out and my fish are dead and there's holes in it. I mean, one of my son's BB gun is locked up. It's not why I didn't get my son. Of course, he got a BB gun because, you know, he got Right, right. He got one, but we're... Yeah. (laughs) BB gun. So, yeah. When we had things, when I was growing up, my dad also had, they had a bunch of pit bulls. My parents were the where the, uh, mm-hmm. my mother was the president of the Heart of Texas Pit Bull Association. So I was, I was raised in this, oh I mean, uh, we had gigantic, and they were like hundred something pound pit bulls. My, my parents supposedly like raised the biggest, you know, baddest pit bulls in Texas and everything. And like one of them that they had sold to a friend, like got, speaking of shooting, accidentally got shot in the head one time mm-hmm. and like just kind of like shook it off and walked away and like, <laughs> all sorts of crazy stories like that but that's what um, and then, i know I, I i know i've told you this story because this is the best of my mom's story are you ready for oh, you know it. the one you mm-hmm. about she and her girlfriend were going to visit a friend um actually they had been in alpine and they were going out to his ranch which was near belmaray toyaville area i will not name okay. names and um, they're all three in a pickup truck, has like a camper on the back of it. And it was just at dusk. And they saw this man running across the field, kind of in the middle of nowhere, right? So it's noticeable to see somebody just wandering in the desert. Yeah. And yeah. he's running. And then he finds, you know, what, what soon they realize is a pipe that's laying on the ground. And he mm-hmm. picks up the pipe. It's, it's long. It's about 10 feet long, right? And he picks up the pipe and he's shaking it. So something has gone in the pipe that he's trying to get, right? But there's a power line mm-hmm. overhead. So the pipe hit the power line and he's in full-on electrocution. And then he hits the ground. Well, the, the great part about this story, what had to have make it much more fun, was the fact that they had all just taken acid. So this would have been in like 1970. And they have all just taken a whole bunch of acid. That's why they're going to the ranch. They're like, oh, we're going to go to the ranch and trip. It's going to be great. But instead, they see this happen. They see this poor guy who was chasing a rabbit. And, you know, looking back, um, you know, well, not looking back. I mean, they knew at the time. But he was somebody who was migrating across the area. And um, and he's hungry. Mm-hmm. And it was a rabbit. He, he was hungry. It was dinner. And so he tried to get it. Mm-hmm. So they stop the truck and go running out into the field. And this poor guy, his fingers tips are all blown off. I mean, he got really electrocuted, but he's still alive. Wow. He's bleeding. Uh-huh. He's breathing. And my mom said, uh, "We gotta, we gotta take him to the hospital." And so, um, you know, 
got to take him to the hospital. You can't drive away from something like that. That would really ruin your trip. And so <laughs> they look him up, and, <laughs> and so they, they have, the nearest hospital's taken us. I mean, it's an hour away. It's not close. Because it's a yeah. kitchen. It's in the middle of nowhere. No. And so they, they put him in the back in the camper of the truck, right? And my mom and her girlfriend are standing up, like, sitting on either side of them, you know, like, trying to calm them down um, while the, the guy they were with is driving. And they decided, because he got electrocuted, that he had to be really hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they, like, open up the sliding windows. <laughs> so it was, like, freezing cold in there, but they're like, well, we can stand this. And so he's got to be so hot from all that electricity. And so they finally get him. They finally get him. Oh, oh, no, no. And so then um, they were like, because he, he, was, he was only speaking Spanish. So my mom says, he has to, he's, mm-hmm. he must be Catholic and he's dying. We have to give him, mind you, they're on acid. We have to give him the last rites. Yes. And last neither rites. of them are practicing Christians, much less Catholics, you know? And they're like, so they're... Much less sp- Spanish? Can they speak Spanish? They speak Spanish. And so they attempt yeah. Yeah. on acid to administer the last rite to this poor, hungry, fried man. They get him to Pecos. They pull up to the emergency room. They handed him to some people. And then they got, you know, the hell out of there. They left. Well, as stories often go in West Texas, that man recovered. He showed up at the ranch. Mm-hmm. He found out who dropped him off. He showed up at the ranch as the fellow who they were going to his ranch in the first place a few weeks later, and he worked there until the day he died. <gasps> Shut up. No, I haven't heard that one. I wow. can't even imagine being on acid and seeing somebody get electrocuted like that. <laughs> so messed yeah. up. And also, it really happened. It wasn't like a, yeah, like, it's not a, a trip. Figment. That's the thing about drugs. I can't yes. believe I'm about to say this. I'm, I'm never going to be a public children's writer. But the thing about drugs is that... We, yeah, can, okay. we can delete something. <laughs> the thing is, is you really do, because your inhibitions are so low, you do find yourself in situations that you wouldn't have otherwise found yourself in. And, and I'm certainly not talking about methamphetamines or heroin or anything like that. It's just no right and right, and, yeah. and i'm talking about things like mushrooms you know which you know even me i haven't mm-hmm. touched anything like that in over 20 years but my mom used to say this too there's a a really lovely window of opportunity when you're still young and innocent enough that you can enjoy <laughs> without um remembering too many bad things so anyways yeah that that gets you into um you know, I you, you you can find yourself in some in some very funny situations that way. I did mm-hmm. have a story that I wanted to tell. I don't let you say a word. Uh, no, I don't. This is not what I'm here for. I'm not okay. here to say words. I'm not here to tell murder <laughs> stories. Oh my god! Because you know what I get started, and we'll just keep going to the next one. Why do you think I asked? Like, <laughs> all right. So I'm going to call this person Jay. Because we grew up in Jay, um, okay. in the 80s and 90s where every single human being's name was J- Jennifer, Jessica. Jessica. You know, got it. So we said yes. go with Jay because that actually makes it broad enough that, yeah. Yes, it could be, it could lots, be lots of, of people. So, um, and oh, and then for the record, yep. it's not my best friend, that Jay, because she never did anything like this. 
Okay. Yeah. It's not me. We're not being yeah. fac- weird. It's, it's not me you. either. <laughs> it's not my best friend who, like, I saw drink a glass of champagne one time. Like, no. So, anyways, we, do you remember in the 90s, did you do this in Massachusetts, the whole rave thing? Shall do rave? Okay. Yeah. So you, like, didn't know where uh-huh. they were until that night. You had to go get the little secret player and mm-hmm. everything. Okay. So, we didn't. Yeah. I think I only... Yeah, I think I only went to one, but yeah, they happened. They were in warehouses yeah, like in Chicopee or Westfield. Parking lots or some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Jankos, Jen- glow in the dark things, lots of plastic jewelry. You got yeah, uh, glow you sticks, got glow sticks around your neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my girlfriends and I got really into raves in the '90s, and we were kind of like there was this vinyl record place uh, on the drag near the University of Texas, where that's where I think it was. Viking Records or something like somebody there's I'm gonna get annihilated by somebody over this one. I think it was called Viking, something like that. And, um, yeah, they're, it was they're big, screaming. It was a big oh. deal in the nineties. And you would go and you would get your little flyer at midnight. Got the flyer at midnight. And okay. then you had to go to Could, the party. To go to the party. Yeah. Can you imagine, Daniel and I talk about that all the time, where it's like 10.30 at night and we're like clawing to bed and be like, remember when this was the time we used this to leave the house? This is when I start doing my makeup. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, because you had to wait till midnight to get the flyer, um, we would often go out. And I was, I was in high school. I'm not gonna lie, we were in high school, and and we spent a lot of time on Sixth Street uh, in downtown Austin. And so we, it was three girlfriends and I, and we were in Jay's car. She had this beautiful mm-hmm. Nissan Pulsar. Oh my god, it makes me laugh. <laughs> It was like the funniest looking car. It was the funniest looking car. The fact that four people sit inside of it. So four of us loaded her Nissan Pulsar and go downtown. And this particular rave, you got the that you got the uh, the flyer downtown. I can't remember what it was. It was like emos or something like that. But anyway, so we go downtown in Austin and we go out and we went to a bar. And we're at the bar, and so we're about to pick up the flyer, and we're about to head to the rave, and all of us just agree, like, let's go ahead and drop our acid now, so that by the time we get there, we're ready to go. We'll be right? good. And we're like, I think, wow, yeah. Yeah. it's probably my idea. Wow, that's an amazing idea, Mercer. Let's do that, right? Great so, time yeah, management. Yeah, I'm all about efficiency, right? And so... Yes, yes. <laughs> so we, we leave, we get our we get our flyer, we know where we're going now, and we are on uh, East Fifth Street in Austin. Not east of I thirty five, but that you know, that main corridor of Sixth Street area. And we're walking and we're going to try to find where we park Jay's car and it's like mm-hmm. we're already mm-hmm. tripping because we dropped it <laughs> way sooner than we ha- should have. And so we're kind of confused and we're turned around and all of a sudden, there's this homeless man. He's on the other side of the street. And he says, hey, hey, you're going the wrong way. And all of us are like, oh, thank you. We wave at him. We turn around. We walk back like a full block. And then all of a sudden, I stop. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. How does he know where we're going? <laughs> <laughs> like, we were totally ready. We would have walked until dawn in the other direction. <laughs> okay, we're kind of cool together. I'm like, okay, listen. And so I find the car. I find the car. And so then, because I found the car, Jay decides, you know what, Mercer, you're going to drive. You've got to drive. 
you're going to drive. Never yep. drug and drive, children. Never. So we get in the car, and I'm like, God damn it, Jay, you don't have any gas. And, oh, no, it wasn't gas. It was, oh, God damn it, we're out of cigarettes. we got to get cigarettes before we go to the train. Cigarettes. We go to the <laughs> yes, of course. We go to the gas station on Riverside. I have no idea how I got there. And I pull into the parking lot, and they go in to get cigarettes to come back. I stayed in the car because I was doing really good. I don't want to mess up. Yeah, stay focused. Stay focused. So we get in and um, we're like, all right, let's go. And like me, I just put the car in drive and went straight. Like, not, I was on the side of, I wasn't going into a building or anything. Not really. It was one of those like concrete pylons, like uh, bumper. Oh, uh A Nissan Pulsar is five inches off the ground on a good day. So I totally high center her car. On this. <laughs> oh, my God. And she goes, okay. that's okay. That's okay. This is okay. This is going to be just fine. Don't worry. And she gets out. And I'm sitting there. I'm completely paralyzed. I'm like, what have I done? What have I done? We're never getting out of here. And so <laughs> we're outside. And she kind of like looks underneath the car and she's like, don't worry, Mercer. It's the underneath of my car that's messed up. Nobody ever looks under there. I'm like, well, thank you, but we're still stopped. And um, <laughs> what are we going to do? And she just looks at me like, sure. I mean, like, there was not an out of the confidence in this, this girl. I mean, she's 17, the confidence in her. And she says, when I tell you to, put it in reverse. And I'm like, okay, mind you, the whole time this is happening, two of my friends are in the back seat and they're whispering to each other. Exit. We're going to die. We're going to die. <laughs> like, shut up. And Jay says, hit it. And I am not kidding you. This is the tall tale part, but I swear it happened. That woman picked her car up. Picked her car up. <laughs> she picked it up. And got us off that damn curb. And then she just sat inside and she's like, let's go. I was like, okay, And I'm like, if she can lift, she can pick up a car. I can definitely yeah. make it to this abandoned parking lot on um east 70 uh, 290 so i got to sit there and um we had the best time ever uh, the, the the end of that story is that night we we met a guy who we decided was god and, and to this day i'm not totally unsure it wasn't god but he gave us his phone number <laughs> so the joke was for many weeks after that was remember that night we got god's phone number no <laughs> still one of the best days but yeah oh i wish you still had god's yeah uh, i love that i love that in also in the moment that the two friends in the backseat didn't get out for her to hulk her know, car they, were, they couldn't <laughs> do anything i would call them out right now but they're both right. very successful all of these people are here. yeah no, no they're we're all not mothers gonna... and very successful people <laughs> yeah. but yeah i was super mad at we, them that uh, night <laughs> wait to die shut up <laughs> but like if she's gonna <laughs> if she was gonna hulk the car up you know it's um what am i thinking remember uh the flintstones with fred flintstone it literally car. looked exactly like that she fred flintstone his car like that. off that pylon Don't... and i <laughs> i'll never say so you know you know i had to go back for years i would go back and look at that thing because it wasn't like a normal mm-hmm. curve it wasn't a normal curve it was like a little bumper curve it was like 
I have no idea how I drove the car over it. I have no idea how she got, but it, oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. And that's, uh, what else oh you got for us? Um, <laughs> let me see. I did write down other things. We got time. Oh, I know. I was thinking about this. It, you know, when we were in high school, it was still a time when, um, I, I mean, I, never in a million years would we allow our kids to do this, Jesse. But at 16. Oh, God, no. I'm sure whatever's coming, I'm sure. 16, no. We used to, as groups of kids, go to Padre Island for spring break like, and have hotel rooms. With no parents. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and then the thing to do was you would drink on the beach all day, and then everybody would load into a truck, and you would go to Mexico. You go to Matamoros, which isn't that close. It's like an hour and a half away. Completely mm-hmm. bonkers. But I do remember there was this one year that we, we drove all the way to Mexico, and we, like, pull up, and you don't, like, nobody, nobody drove across the border. You would park. And then you would you would either walk or you walk would get a cast. cab, you know, into town. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to get mm-hmm. a cab, and there's no cab. And we finally, like, somebody tells us they're like Mexico's closed, and <laughs> Mexico's huh? closed. What? <laughs> they closed what the country, it? but it was crazy. It, it turned out um, a few years before there had been a, a, a thing where there was a Santeria cult that had killed this guy <gasps> during spring break. And there uh-huh. had been... Uh-huh. I know yeah. this story from a podcast. Yeah. Go on. And so there yeah. been some sort of credible threat that something similar to like that might happen. And so the... It had closed mm-hmm. the immigration... Our immigration... Mexico wasn't closed. The U.S. was closed. They weren't letting us go over. So, so I really feel like I missed out on the story that night. And that, yes. that is the like, you know, all the crazy stories and things. So stuff that happened to... My mom, my dad did, and I did. Grady, not the Grady. Grady stuff was generally kind of like a little more like John Lewis good trouble. I mean, she wasn't starting a civil rights, you know, um, uh, uprising or anything, but she certainly was exercising her right to be a self-determining female, right? And so, um, mm-hmm. um, yeah. whereas mine was just, like I said earlier, a lack of good sense and a lack of boundaries. It makes for great stories. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, all good stories. Do you have any travels? Well, I'll yeah. say, do you have any travel yeah, stories? stories? Oh, my God. Well, you know, I said when I was 25, I'd worked in high tech and then the, the bubble burst in Texas. And and, mm-hmm. and I got a six-month severance check. And um, there was a little project in between there. But the long and short of it was that I had a, a good amount of money in my bank account. And my boyfriend at the time said, hey, mm-hmm. Oh, this is amazing. You're 25 years old and you have already got such a nest egg. Like imagine where you're going to be when you're 45, which is what I am now. And I've never been broker in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Luna. Um, so he was like, wow, you are just off to such a great start. And I remember looking at him going, yeah, I think I'm going to go to Costa Rica. Just blow it all. He said, yeah. what about me? Well, you can come visit. <laughs> so, I'm also single, 45 and single. This is a lot of reason why I'm super great at, yeah, yeah. Super great at being a partner in, in endeavors. Um, <laughs> so, I uh, I did it, man. Like I, the internet was still kind of like babyish then, right? Like you couldn't, you could 
didn't look yeah. that up. Oh, like yeah. now, right? You really still had to buy books and really figure stuff out. But I knew that mm-hmm. it, and, and Costa Rica wasn't what it is now, where it's like super touristy. Nope. Um, but Accessible. Yeah, now yeah. It's so, like, especially China has built all these amazing highways through there. When I went, I decided that I didn't want to be on the West Coast because that's where it had, was starting to get touristy. And so I was like, I want to be mm-hmm. on the Caribbean side. Like, that seems like a little more remote. I was able to find mm-hmm. a house to rent for like two, maybe $300 a month. And it was on the beach. House on the beach for $300 a month, let's say. Um, but yeah, when I say a amazing. house, it was like, you know, a tree house. Yeah. A hut? Well, it was on stilts. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a hut on stilts. <laughs> which is, which is a basically a tree house, right? Um, so no AC. Oh, it had electricity, yeah. but kind of. And then, um, and it had a kitchen, but like very, like it just had like a, you call those little, the camp burner type things, you know, like the, you know, stuff uh-huh. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tiny um, little fridge. I want to say Bunsen. Not a Bunsen burner. It was not Breaking Bad in this yeah, place. No. But, um, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I get there and in it, it's a long trip. I fly into San Jose. I've got a backpack and I have one other bag, like a carry bag, not a suitcase, because that would have been weird. And I get on a bus and it's, mm-hmm. it's straight up like something from um, Romancing the Stone, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's chickens, there's goats. It's, it's a real adventure on this like three hour bus ride. And me and my just infinite genius, the moment I landed in San Jose, and I'm like, at the bus stop, I go into this little bodega and buy a six-pack of beer. Okay, I can have a couple mm-hmm. beers on this bus, heading to my new amazing beach life, not realizing the bus is not going to stop for three hours. I mean, I thought I was going to die. Like, oh. half drunk, full bladder, chickens. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, what have I done? But anyways, I eventually get to my, my gorgeous... <laughs> My gorgeous little place. So I get to Limon, which is where we find ourselves. And then I had to take another little small bus to Puerto mm-hmm. Viejo, where I was living. And then from there, it was I had to walk to to where um, my house was, which was a couple miles south of town. So based almost to Panama. So I um, I get to my little house, and it's just it's amazing. I mean, it's heaven. It's everything I had ever imagined. But again, I'm 25, so Five. really Hello. cute. It's just adorable. 25 and adorable. In my little beach house, two miles from town by myself. But right next to it, there was a little cafe owned by this German couple. And so it wasn't open when I got there because it was already too late in the day. But that night I go to bed and my, my have, it had those windows that like swing out. It didn't have screens on it, right? Which is why it was so high because yep. the bugs yeah, were higher okay. than the bugs, right? Uh, I slept amazing. You know, I blanket it was empty. Mm-hmm. I'd made it. I wake up the next morning and I I, mm-hmm. I, I I put on my clothes and I wander over to the little German breakfast place and I order my breakfast. I'm drinking my coffee and she says, are you staying in the beach house? And I said, yeah. And she goes, lock the doors. That place gets robbed once a month. <laughs> 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 and from that night on, that morning on, I did not get a decent night's sleep because I, I no way I was sleeping with the windows open and I had nothing but like a freaking butter knife like to protect myself with. So I'm, For, yeah. so I'm like in the moment and it's so hot. It's so hot. 
because the windows aren't open and it's the uh, right. it's the equator or like basically and I was dying. Yeah. Um, but it was still worth it. It, it was, that was an amazing experience. Uh, I'm glad I did. Did it ever get? Did I you ever get robbed? get robbed? I did not. Um, not even once. We, I what? I had a couple of friends come because I was there for like six months. So I had a couple of friends come to visit while I was there. And one of my girlfriends and I went traveling on the west coast because she wanted to see Hako and Manuel Antonio, which is what everybody was talking about at the time. And and we were in a nightclub. I want to say in like Hako. And she and I was talking to this. I don't know if it was. I think it was a woman. It wasn't like a dude. And I remember her coming and grabbing me and, like, pulling me out of it. And she said she had been watching this, like, whoever I was talking to was supposed to be, like, a distraction. And she had been watching these two other okay. people that were really trying to pickpocket me the whole time. And she's like, yeah, no, we need to right. get out of here. But, you know, I've, I've always been a pretty smart traveler. I, I, I do the, the pack that goes inside your blouse. You know, that's where I care. Mm-hmm. Everything that's. So whatever they were going for, they weren't going to end up with much anyways. But, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, these are people and they see Americans coming through with what seems like a lot of money. I mm-hmm. poor 25-year-old that just stumbled upon a nugget. Had no idea what she was doing. Right, right. But it was worth every penny. I went home with negative balances. <laughs> and I, Six yeah, months, you blew it all. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a lot of money. I'm not going to lie. And uh, my, I kept the boyfriend, believe it or not, for like another year or two. But I got rid of him eventually, too. too. <laughs> you know, I, uh, <laughs> I didn't do it, you know, like stuff like that. I never did it to like, I just wanted stories. I just wanted, you know, I, I just, I, just not, I want mm-hmm. a life where I, I do things that, you know, I mean, I've, I've bungee jumped and I've, and I've, uh, I went skydiving mm-hmm. before and stuff like that. I'm too scared of heights. Mm-hmm. I hate heights. I hate airplanes. Yep, you do. I hate you airplanes. Do. Like the yep. fact that I would get on an airplane and fly to Central America by myself is ridiculous. But mm-hmm. uh, it just, to me, I, I don't, I don't know what else we're doing here. If <laughs> it's not, if it's right. not to collect yeah. a bunch of stories. Right. And you're the mm-hmm. person who's been telling me I, for 13 years, write it down, Marissa, write it down. Uh-huh. But, yeah. you know, yeah. and I'm like, well, I write uh-huh. for children. Because <laughs> most of my stories are yeah. friendly. And isn't it appropriate for so long I've been saying, I, I need you to write down the Mercer stories. And now here I am making you tell me the Mercer stories. And because whereas you're a storyteller, I'm like the story. Yeah, you are. You know, what, what, what would that be? Yeah, like I'm... I'm like uh, mm-hmm, yeah. I'm the host. I'm the I'm the like I'm here to hold space yeah, for yeah, people's yeah. stories, which is you know what I do every week. Keeping me on track. Yeah, like whatever role. <laughs> no, no, just like like I'm you know like this would happen is you know we would be you me and Kelly and Kelly and I are like we we like pull your string and like whoop, go you know <laughs> and right you know and that's that's the role that I play so it's like appropriate that after all this time that that's what I'm doing. You know, because I'm always like, I want to hear your it. stories. You know the word um, raconteur, yeah. right? Uh, that's French for storyteller. Mm-hmm. And I think the, um, oh my God, I'm going to get mm-hmm. in trouble. The name of the band that has, it's like, is it Jack Black is the raconteurs or something like that? I don't know. One of them. Eesh, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, some, one of, yeah, but a few like years that. ago, I got this jean jacket and I, um, I it, it like had the opposite of the option of adding your name 
the back of it. And I was like, mm-hmm. like I don't need people knowing that. Like, also, I live in Marfa, and everybody already knows my name. So, like, whatever. I'm not going to take back my mm-hmm. yeah. And then all of a sudden, I was like, well, I'm going to get raconteur put back there because that's that's what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's what I want to be known as is somebody. <laughs> Even if I never actually published one of them, be like, well, that merch. You got a story for everything. Yeah. So that would be fun. She does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be good. And I want you to, I want you to talk for a second. I don't think we did earlier, right? Like you are writing, she's writing a story. She's I writing am. A So I am. And I distracted her from actually writing today no, to do that's this. that's good though. Cause I, like I told you earlier, I have to walk away from it because one of the things mm-hmm. that writers tend to do is that you get into a mode where you're writing a bunch and then you, you burn your fuse out and then you find yourself in a place of paralysis. Mm-hmm. So it's actually really good to walk away when you're in the zone because you have some place to start again the next day. So it, you did me a favor because I might've burnt myself out today and it was a good day. And tomorrow's a holiday. So I have another day to write. I really needed that fuse to still be sizzling. So I write middle grade fiction um, is my uh, category and genre of choice. I am, I am a graduate of the Vermont College of Fine Arts writing for children and young adults program, which is um, believed to be by many the best, uh, children's writing program in the world, and I was really fortunate to study under, you, know, you don't have professors there, it's not that kind of school, it's a low residency program, and you study under professionals in the field, so one of my advisors was a National Book Award winner, and another was a Greta Scott King um, honor book writer, and I mean, it just goes on and on. I studied under some of the, mm-hmm. some of the towering heroes of children's literature. I really of that whole genre of fiction, fiction for children. I really tend towards the middle grade field, which is the stories where mm-hmm. um, that aren't about the things I just talked a lot about, which are uh, you yeah. know, drug exploration. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I like some more metaphorical adventures. And I like stories where a kid has an emotional piece, a piece, of him or herself missing that they are looking to fill and that's the way they end up filling it is opposite of what they thought they needed. So, you know, the search for a home ends up being that a home isn't a a place with a roof over it. It's actually just being surrounded by a found family as opposed to the one you're born with and, you know, things like that. Um, But I I really do like the more metaphorical, um, Bill Dunn's Roman coming of age stories and, and then as much magic as you can throw in there. (laughs) So yeah. And I'm, I'm currently um, finishing, I've been working on a novel for a year. It is a a reimagining of a previous novel I wrote. It is almost completely brand new with the exception of essentially the prologue and the epilogue. So (laughs) I didn't, I guess we had talked about, you know, when you were going to like basically rework, I don't know, but like, yeah, you've been, you've been from the ground up. I did. And, and the, the, you know, terrible thing is, is I'm doing this because I, uh, there was some interest from some editors via my agent that I, that I make these changes. Mm -hmm. It, It felt like it could be an easy, it could be an easy change. And then when I got in, to the idea, I thought, uh-huh. that, you know, it was a Pandora's box, but not like the bad, there weren't demons that were coming out. It was all opportunities. 
And I ended up going back to my agent and I said, look, if I'm going to go here, I'm going to go in here. I got to go here. Right. It's not going. uh I have the equivalent of like work around our house. Like if we're going to redo the bathroom, we're going to redo the bathroom. Exactly. And, and, and and you can't, for me, I was never going to forgive myself if I didn't do the story justice. The, the main character came to me in a dream 17 years ago. I've known her voice inside my head. And when she finally meets the world or when the world finally meets her, I'm, I want it to be under the best possible conditions. And so um, I'm a careful writer and a cautious writer. But also, you know, last year, like, who did anything? <laughs> Right. You. you guys are like, oh, we're going to open right. up a new, I'm going to start a podcast and open up a new restaurant. So, you know, new coffee shop. <laughs> the rest of us are like. There was, there was months where we didn't do anything <laughs> in, in those realms. Like it was just surviving. Know. You know? A lot of, yeah, just surviving. Just surviving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mercer and I've talked yeah. about that a lot last year. So writing didn't happen a whole lot, but it, it is now and, and it's exciting. And yeah. and then every day I get to work on telling a story is a good day. So that's what I mm-hmm. want to do. And yeah. I'm so glad that I have friends that listen to my stories. Means a lot. Okay, one more, one more quick one, and then we're then we're gonna do my questions because every guest gets these <laughs> questions. But I want to hear one I'm more little one. What else did you have on your list? Oh yeah, yeah. this is a good one. Um, this is a mom. This is a yeah. mom and dad okay. story. So, <laughs> so when when I was um, really young, I mean, uh, pre my memory, we had moved from far west Texas to Las Vegas, New Mexico, not Nevada. It's it exists. It's there. Yeah, it does. So uh-huh. we were living on a ranch just outside of Las Vegas, and my dad um, was the foreman of the ranch, and he and his crew, whatever you want to call it, were out working cattle someday, one day. And something happened. There was like a landslide out from underneath his horse's feet, but horse fell, he fell, and he broke his shoulder. Um, and, you know, whatever that means. That was the way it was always told to me. I'm like, what? You know, clavicle, just who knows. But anyway, he had a broken shoulder. The great thing when you're telling stories, it doesn't matter. Just he broke it. So um, he couldn't finish out the day, so they threw him in in this car, which this always makes me laugh when I think back. But apparently, it was like an Oldsmobile. Like they had an Oldsmobile out on the ranch, and so like a pickup truck, (laughs) just out on the ranch, like a cutlass. And so um, (laughs) when they finally had finished wrecking the cattle that day, which to those who don't know, working cattle means they're gathering them up to get them in a trailer so they can be shipped off mm-hmm. to their next destination. That's a nice way of putting it. They had, they had to finish. They had, the cattle truck was coming, right? So they finish up the job. And then this guy who had been working for my dad, who was a bit of a, he was a live wire. And my dad already didn't like him. They were butting mm-hmm. heads a lot. But they, they, they finally finished. And he comes back to the car. And he's like, well, I'm driving you into town to the hospital to get your arm with that and um so they mm-hmm. go in and i guess he handled my dad a flask of tequila or whiskey i don't know to like deal with the pain my dad mm-hmm. may have been sitting in the car the whole time drinking but by the time they get into las vegas um dad was uh you know drunk this guy was probably drunk and they just decided to go to the bar instead of the hospital before <laughs> they go out <laughs> <laughs> and then they leave there and they're like, oh, it's too late to go to the hospital. Let's just go home. So then they start driving. <laughs> so typical of my dad. 
So then they start driving back to the ranch. And then yeah. at some point in time, as, you know, young, you know, hormone-riddled men do, my dad was probably 22, 23 when this was happening, mind you, mm -hmm. they got in an argument, and uh, mm -hmm. the guy threatened to kill my dad, and they're on, like, this windy road. Naturally. And my dad opened up the passenger door and jumped out of the moving car. No. And with a broken no. shoulder. The broken so shoulder. He, he, you know, rolls down a hill and whatever, and then somehow drunk and, like, really injured, manages to stumble to the ranch house, which I don't know how long that took. But my mom wakes up in the middle of the night because um, she hears, my dad coming in and she come and he's in really bad shape. He's bloodied up and he's really bad. So I remember she, that's, that's my mom's uh, default. Whenever something scary was happening on the ranch was that she put us in the bathtub. So it closed the shower. Curtain. I love that. Like emergency, emergency. like it was a tornado. tornado right? Yeah. Emergency means bathtub. Yeah. So she puts us in the bathtub and then she goes outside and this part of the story, I don't know. I don't remember any of the story. I was way too young. So, um, mm -hmm. Apparently, my, right about then, this guy who my dad had gotten in the fight with, who has the Oldsmobile, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. shows up at the ranch, and he has a gun, and mm -hmm. he's pointing it at my dad in front of the house, and he's like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you, <laughs> and uh, my mom has just had it. She has had it. She just walked out there, and she gets in front of him, and she punches the gun, like swipes the gun out of his. My dad's face and she's yeah, because like, they're from sure. Know. And again, sauce. my mom's yeah. probably like 24, 25 years old, right? She's like, You don't just, yeah, you yeah. need to go home. You're not going to shoot anybody. This is ridiculous. Go home. And this man looks at my mom for a second and he was like, Shoulders fall and he gets in the car and he drives. We <laughs> go back in the house, and apparently, what the story is is that my mom grabbed all the suitcases and just started throwing their stuff. And she goes, "We're going back to Texas." <laughs> and so we haven't moved back to Texas, but this is the, the you know because there's got to be a kicker. Turned out the guy was wanted for shooting his father and his brother. <laughs> No. <laughs> You're not going to oh. shoot anybody. Go home. <laughs> hey, buddy. So my mom talked hey, about mom. it. <laughs> His dad and brother couldn't. Oh. And he, <laughs> he was, was wanted murder. for murder. <laughs> Amazing. And that's You're not going to shoot anyone. You're not going to shoot anybody. I mean, she sounded like your, your mad mom. Um, and she was child. Like, you are not going to get your dirty shoes on my couch like that who do you think you are so yeah no and anybody ever wondered how i grew up to be who i grew up to oh be there's your answer right there from, from both sides yeah it was right there right there <clears throat> oh i love it all right all right oh man all right ready what was your first car <clears throat> my 10 these are my rapid, rapid fire questions. okay i inherited a uh, 1981 ford bronco two-tone uh, beige and white Ah, yes. Then we've talked about the new Bronco. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. I can't wait. I want it. But you know, it's delayed. Yep. I know you. I mean, it's, it's delayed okay. just like my yeah. finances. I, I've seen one. <laughs> yeah, everything. I've seen them around town. I've seen people oh, driving cool. them. Oh, cool. Uh -huh. oh, yeah. One. Yeah, they look really cool in person. Yeah, and yeah. They look weird. Really I've cool. seen one around Detroit. Uh, just like, yeah, I've seen two, wow, I think. Weird. Here. 
Oh, I, I know the answer to this, and I'm really excited because, uh, anyway, what did you get your period? Oh, I was almost, uh, it was a month shy of my 16th birthday. Yep, I was really old. Mm-hmm. You were so, very And then late. I had my yep. first uh, laparoscopy surgery on my uh, ovaries uh, a little over two years later. And I had a hysterectomy shortly after my 40th birthday. So I did a whole 24 years of menstruating, and that's it. <laughs> we haven't you know we're gonna have to have another uh we haven't talked about the couple of times you've almost died oh yeah well there's a story too yeah <laughs> so right there's a story for everything yeah. <laughs> toilet paper over under or you don't oh, I care i don't care i really don't and i know you do oh i have no fucking but i just but mm-hmm. brand really matters to me like quality quality okay. is super yeah. important yeah, I'm a Kleenex Pignell girl. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, like okay. the, the the toilet paper shortage last year mm-hmm. was really difficult on me. There was a point in time, and Agreed. I say that with all the like irony, like I'm joking. The privilege the in the world, yes, I know. The, yeah. yeah, but there yeah. was a time that I was using like that single ply like RV toilet paper because that was all I could find. Yeah, agreed. It's just a very like textual way of uh, remembering how crappy things are. Fun intended. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Fun intended. We, same thing. We actually dug in our motorhome for toilet paper. So we used RV toilet paper because you have yeah. to use that toilet paper in an RV. And I became a, a good toilet paper user after I had my first child. My mom bought good toilet paper. And she was like, you're going to want it. And I've never. Yeah, that's very it. important to me. Yes, I know. Yes, agreed. Yeah, spoken with again. With we now understand all the privilege in the world about that right now. Cilantro, yes or no? I don't get the soapy taste. Thank God. Yeah. Do you know I should amass the the answers? It's actually a lot. I've had a lot of people say it tastes like so. It's more common. Right. Do you remember when George Bush, uh, the second George W. Bush, was um, uh, talking about how he didn't like the taste of broccoli and. and yeah, uh-huh. and it, because broccoli has a similar thing where they think there's like a genetic deal where it'll make it taste differently in your mouth. And but he didn't know that. He was just like, okay. I hate broccoli. And he's like, and now I'm president. They can't make me eat broccoli. Right. It was like a joke, which is adorable. Now at the time, I thought he was an idiot. I now remember like, oh, this. Yeah. So um, anyways, uh, uh, right. and then they asked him what his favorite. What is your favorite vegetable? And he said, Oh, George. He said corn. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's served as a vegetable. It is. It is. Oh, this is gonna be good because I I don't know that I know this. What was the last book you read? Or Ooh, you know, audible, yeah. You know, no, I read. I can't do Audible. Uh, I unless I'm driving, and even then, I have a short attention span for it. Um, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I have been reading a. Uh, Dang it! Now I, I'm going to get the name of it wrong, but it is. Everyone you know, has to look. Yeah. That, here, let me grab it. Let me get it real quick. So I wanna, don't we mess it up? Yep. I only want to get this right because you're going to be so proud of me because it's actually <laughs> something like you would read. It is. It is oh. called. It's a, It's nonfiction and it's called Breath: The New Science of a Lost Art by James Nestor. I've and heard of incredible. this. Uh huh. And. Um, our dear friend, who has been a massage therapist for us both for a long time, Miss Mallory, mm-hmm. told me many years ago that I didn't know how to breathe. <laughs> she, would, 
when I started taking yoga where I was like, I don't know how to breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's bizarre. You know it's where in yoga where you do, where you pull uh-huh. every the nose? other, yeah. every other you a panic attack? I, I hate it. it. Made you, you panicky? Mm-hmm. Well, it makes me panicky, extra panicky because I think I have a deviated septum. So I think when I do that, like, there's yeah. one thing that literally doesn't work. I'm, I'm pretty sure I only breathe out of my mouth, my nose ever. But anyway, yeah, breathing. That's what I'm, that's what I'm into now. I love it. Really into breathing. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> 2021 really into breathing. going back to step one <laughs> yeah oh, so Lordy. good okay Anything when you else? yeah oh yeah i got more when you drink a latte right or i know i know you drink you drink regular I drink coffee. Latte, I make them at home. Mm-hmm. okay okay things. then what what milk do you use of them oh i just use i use half and half in the steamer and not even milk i'm like the and you're Beautiful. like you know the name of things. I don't even know what it is if you when you steam that. What is that? Yeah, I want that fat bits in there getting all nice and yes. blown. Yes. <laughs> uh, can you drive a standard transmission? My first car was a standard. I can drive a standard mm-hmm. banner and I can drive an automatic. Oh, it's fun asking my friends this question. Where are you in the birth order? Like oh, family, I'm the you know, of origin. I'm Three yep, younger of, brothers. Of, Two. Two actual younger brothers and then one adopted by love. Not because mm-hmm. he needed anything, but because I needed him. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> uh, what was your kindergarten teacher's name? Miss Eppenauer. I know. I know. <laughs> yes, I know. That's why I was like, I love asking my friends this question. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> she's still a kindergarten teacher in Martha, Texas. And she's she lovely. sure is. Yeah, she's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I love her so much. And. Yeah, I think I was only like her yeah. first or second, maybe her second year teaching. So mm-hmm. I love it because I, I knew the answer to that. I was like, <gasps> but I'm ah. <laughs> what awesome. do you regret more the next day? High heels or jalapenos? Oh, high heels. Oh, I never who gets jalapeno because people get the boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can blow yeah. up your your. <laughs> your no, because you know butthole. why. I, I'm I'm a I'm like a, a real border border gringo man. I um, yes yes the you are. Yep. Anything. But one time I had hal- fried jalapenos in Martha at uh, the hotel mm-hmm. by Johnny. Jeff, it's not on the menu. It was mm-hmm. something that, mm-hmm. that a couple friends of mine invented with the chef. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know they say people can have like heart attacks from like really hot stuff. Mm-hmm. That was. I really lost it that night. I was with the mayor too, and that could have been. Really bad for his reputation. <laughs> if you had, if you had a, a dining a mate had died, I had died from fried jalapenos while out for drinks with. <laughs> that really would have been a political showstopper. Political showstopper. <laughs> oh, so that that is the end of my questions. I love it, and also you know yes. we love the shoes, but like the heels now. You and I, I both used to really love our heels. I did. I have Boots have to wear heels. Mm-hmm. I, I will still to... wear, I just have nowhere to go in heels. 
you know, and what really killed me was all those years in Marca where everything's like gravel parking lot. Mm-hmm. And I like arrived there with all my gorgeous, like, you know, uh, Stuart Weitzman stilettos mm-hmm. that were shredded within like a couple of weeks. Yeah. They, yeah. That, nobody, that's really what killed it for me, too. Many, nobody wanted to see him anyway. So they're like, who is this lady who says she's from here, but just showed up and sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That are tore up. The whole bottom is like ripped up. Your shoes. Well, Mercer, thank you so much. This really meant a lot to me. Thank you so much. Oh, this has been so much fun. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we do it again. Mercer Mercer Stories Part 2. Because there's (laughs) there's, like, she can go on and on, you guys. She can go on and on. Isn't she the best? And like, (laughs) just imagine, you know, you're, you're out with your friends and you're at an outdoor bar and like there's people visiting from out of town and we're the locals and we sit down and we start talking to these people and you just like oh mercer and she knows ready she's gonna go she's got a story you know like it, it's just you know just the the perfect friend to have like to then socialize with you know as if as if it's not enough just to be like friends with you and how wonderful that is but then like to experience the world with you is really fun um. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm pretty blessed. Blessed. I've always said that my superpower is uh, making friends. So yeah, thank it's really you. Really, not that. my superpower. It's everybody else's. I've been lucky enough <laughs> yeah. to be around for them. Yeah. So, um, anyways, uh, wonderful time. Thank you, Jesse. I was super nervous, yeah. but this was a blast. <laughs> I know. I know. It's fun. I'm going to remind everyone that you can find me at LaJoy Society, L-A-J-O-I-E-S-O-C-I-E-T-Y, and on all those social things. And I'm I'm just always beating this drum about um, rate, review the show, because that's what matters, and that's how the show gets heard by other people. And of course, sharing it with people you know and love is a super important part of it. But um, to get inside the actual podcast players, like algorithm stuff, the rates and reviews are super important. So at the beginning of every show, the end of every show, I'm just talking about it i'm just like mentioning just like you're listening on your phone so you pick up your phone and just like right now like while you're listening to me like yay hit the stars thanks everyone (laughs) all right thank you to mercer and uh we'll meet here again next week everything up to this point has led me here and there's nowhere i'd rather be than to be here all the no sense So paint the picture